Welcome to Bigger Than The Hustle podcast, where I give you a fascinating insight into the world of real life entrepreneurs and how they live their lives outside their business. Every week, I bring you super interesting conversations about the energy, thinking, habits, mindsets, and disciplines that make them successful in their life, which in turn allows them to be successful in their business. It's powerful conversations, uplifting interviews, and a mega dose of solo inspiration from me. We dive right into what gives them the confidence to follow their own path and attempt to get unapologetically real so you can learn what it takes to show up in your life and live your truth unapologetically. Now, today, if you're interested in conscious schooling, if you're interested in becoming an author, if you're interested in moving from corporate to setting up your own business, then today's guest is right up your street. Her name is Irina Charles, and she's done all these things plus many more, which we're going to go into. So without further ado, hi, Irina. Hi, Pavek. Thank you very much for inviting me on your podcast. No, thank you so much for coming. Now, if you can give, um, I'm going to hand the mic over to you. If you can give a short introduction to yourself, and then we can run the conversation from there. Okay, I will, um, I will start by what is it I'm, I'm doing right now. So in uh, 2010, I have uh, founded an uh, Integral Studies Academy, which is an online educational um, academy, which is targeted to adults who are looking to um, enhance their life and who are looking to um, basically find an alternative to the current mainstream um, universities and we have collaborated over these years with some other universities whereby uh, some of the programs we offer um, are not actually offered within the mainstream universities um, so, so that's what you're doing currently right so yes. we talk about conscious schooling so if you can explain a little bit about the ethics behind it and what made you get into this I have a huge passion for education and a huge passion for helping people. Um, it took me a long while to realize I'm actually a visionary. Um, and it was only when several people told this to me, I said, okay, yes, actually it does make sense. I'm a visionary. Um, and also a humanitarian. So I, I, I like people to thrive. I like to see people reach their ultimate highest potential, reach the highest level of happiness and maintain it and not having to choose. And um, uh, my father was a university professor and um, I think childhood does influence somehow how we turn up mm. and where uh, I spent some of my childhood, I remember, I have memories for, since I was about three and I was actually uh, following my dad everywhere and I was in the steps of university and, and then going to grandparents and so on. So it was always, it's almost like the academia, I grew up with it. And I have noticed that I have learned faster and better from teachers that I admired and teachers that were very passionate and teachers that were also embodying what they were teaching. So not just reading from the book. And I think all teachers, when they go into teaching, 
um, in all fairness, there is a calling in doing that. It's a little bit like being a nurse or being a doctor. You don't become a nurse just for the money because you have a higher calling, right? Mm. And I think most teachers have that as well. But some of them are much more talented in actually embodying what they're talking about. And if you have a chemistry teacher that absolutely loves chemistry, you'll end up loving chemistry. If you have a literature teacher that absolutely loves literature, you'll, you'll end up writing because you are drawn to that energy of, you know, how they, yeah. I fully agree with everything you say there. And what's quite exciting about what you said, you went through a, a few things there and there's so much to dig into. Um, when you say visionary, what do you mean by that when you call yourself visionary? I... I have a perspective on what humanity has as potential. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would, for example, call visionary um, Nicholas Tesla. Yeah. He had a vision. He had a vision. And, uh, you know, I'm driving his car now. But during his time, he was, he was also a genius, right? A bit like Einstein. But during his time, he wasn't appreciated for his power or his view of what is possible. You know, he he was a little bit ahead of the time. Mm -hmm. And um, my vision is to do with this capacity that we have innate uh, in ourselves. And um, I can't remember exactly when I heard this, but it was early in my life when I heard this saying, which it's almost like, the drive of the engine behind my life and everything I, I strive to do. Um, so the saying um, was along the lines of we, all the human beings, so all of us are born with three chances of becoming a genius. And unless we do something about it, we lose them one by one by one. Wow. So that... I was like, oh, my God, I cannot be losing mine. <laughs> and, you know, absolutely strive to, to, you know, just use my tokens, basically. And it's um, funny you say that because human potential is something that I, I'm fascinated by. I believe that every human being has the potential to create something and shape this world to the way that they perceive it should be, right? Um, I think there's a lot of things that um, can dumb that down. So you have your environment, your upbringing, the people around you, etc. And it's trying to break free of those shackles to create the life you really want to create. And I think, like yourself, when you've had a saying or something that you've tapped into and you've really, it's resonated with you deeply. Mine was when I, when someone said, well, I don't know if I read it or, I, or someone said that to me, which was... Um, Everything that you see around you that's not natural, um, in effect, that's man-made, started from a thought. So the smallest technology to the biggest buildings all started in someone's head. They put action behind it and brought it out of the world. And that's when I realized the potential of the human being, you know, us as people. We have such, you know, if we can shape our lives and shape our environment to bring that out of us and really sort of come into the world in the best way um this world would be an awesome place there'd be a lot more happier people um the energy would the vibration levels would be a lot higher and 
you know, we could create an environment that nurtures not just us, but for all the new generations to come. Now, I see what you're doing with the schooling side of it. So you're saying about adult education and you're talking about universities and having an alternative. So how does it alternate from the traditional mainstream schooling methods for adults? So at the beginning, when we set up the, when I set up the academy, I um, brought together a group of professors from different um, line of thought and from, from different universities around Europe. And um, over the past 10 years, we collaborated um, online. And what we have done during the first years of the academy set, being set up, we spent a lot of this time researching and trying to understand what is out there. And as part of that research, we discovered that, and this goes back 10 years, right? So it could be even more now. We've discovered there are 75,000 types, so not, not different institution types of holistic schools wow. uh, like you know and, and some of the most known are the Montessori and you know there are some that are absolutely mainstream they are very known but those are schools of thought which are actually alternative education for uh, schools and for children who basically you know from 6 to 18 year olds I call it from 6 to 18 year olds or from yeah. 5 and however there is a huge gap and when the 18-year-old finished such um, holistic education that has developed all their, all, you know, all their um, qualities and skills and creativity, um, there isn't the same, um, you know, not, not anywhere near um, the same amount of offers at the, you know, 18-plus um, area in on the market. There, there are a few and they they tend to follow certain schools of thought how i call them so for example there is the maharishi university in america mm-hmm. which is founded by uh, you know it's on the principles of ramana maharishi and um, finding your true self and so on but there isn't um one that was you know appealing to um even the online environment mm. um, and yet this is a huge now have uh, you can see pockets that have appeared and there there are some that are trying to to uh, fit in onto this extraordinary um, search mm. that the human heart has and even the human mind because the more you have uh, materially or, or the more you have in terms of um, you know, you, you've you've done your business. You you are rich. You've got millions. Uh, you've got everything you want. I have actually worked with um, um, high net worth individuals. You know, millionaires, billionaires who mm. who are asking me, what else? What what else is mm. there? Mm. Um, and it might sound, uh, you know, it might sound, oh, this is very small niche. It isn't. It isn't a small niche. There, there's a huge amount of people who are trying to find what is actually at the top of the Maslow pyramid of needs? What mm-hmm. is there? How do I tap into that? So th- this yeah. is how we come like, this is how I came up with the concept and um, yeah. And okay. so you're saying the top of the Maslow's hierarchy, which is self-actualization, isn't it? When you reach yes. the pinnacle, yeah. I think. Like you're saying, if you deal with high net worth individuals, so you've got millionaires, billionaires, extra, so they've amassed 
you know, financial wealth they've amassed, you know, um, whatever they've amassed physically. But a lot of the time, the the ability to look inwards is lacking, you know, yes, trusting yourself and, and, and trusting your being and, and your path on the way the universe has decided to lay your path out for you. And sometimes on that um, uh, looking for the financial wealth, sometimes you lose yourself as a human Correctly. being. Yourself, right? Yes. Um, and I think when you can find that again, then you're on the path back to self-actualization. Obviously, we live in a Western culture, right? So that Western culture dictates that we have to live our lives in a certain ways in terms in terms of monetary you know we have to earn money we've got bills to pay we have children we have you know a life day but at what point does that stop the pursuit of us as human beings in trying to help us help our community help the people around us and is it just about wealth creation for what reason a lot of the time people want money you want to create wealth but without real purpose or real um, ability to give back in a holistic way where you've been the conduit for the universe to create wealth but at what point are you then sharing and giving that back to try and help others on their journey and, and their path and I think that's where sometimes things can get lost and that's why this is this um, concept that you're talking about it sounds really interesting so with the conscious schooling side of things why is it that You've got the mainstream university. Obviously, there's a lot of talk right now about universities with we're being in a pandemic. Um, students are not obviously being served very well right now in that environment. Um, it's like um, a nephew of mine was going to start university, and I, I gave him some some advice not to actually go this year because a lot of the first year, especially in university, is about social. It's about meeting people. It's about interacting. It's not really so much yeah. about education. And if you're not actually going to get that in your first year because of the social distancing, because of, you know, the pandemic that's out there, really, I'd say you're losing 90% of your first year university, the traditional university system. Now, with that traditional university system, obviously, it's promoted by the, the governments and they have a high sort of understanding on how to reach a mainstream population. Where are the barriers for your type of schooling to reach that kind of level? What needs to happen? So the way I see uh, integral education, and when I, I, I feel like explaining a little bit about this concept, integral mm. education. So um, what, one of the things that are, is currently happening in, in um, the traditional universities which by the way they serve the purpose and they still serve a certain purpose and it's, it's very good however for example if you go and, and study mathematics you do you are so focused for three years or five years into using only one part of your brain which is the logical the analytical mm -hmm. the you know just and you are actually not developing and not fulfilling your creative side at all because you are very into the rigorous part of the brain and it's the same with engineering architecture almost the same with management which is only you know using a certain you know concept and it's and it's quite rigid and whereas if you're doing uh, interior design art um, literature poetry creative writing you are developing the creative side mm. and for um, 
for too many years it's been accepted that oh if you're a poet then you are probably dreamy and not necessarily logical or you know you, you can't you need a calculator to to go grocery shopping yeah. or if it, and is this in reality we all have the left side of the brain and the right side of the brain and what has been uncovered during our research and other research is that geniuses have actually got something in common and that is they used equally the left side of the brain and the right side of the brain right. in a very you know in a similar proportion and if you look at newton and einstein yes they were very rigorous but they played musical instruments so they had that side of them which is very interesting perfect with with the the podcast that you have because you you you, you pick the entrepreneurs and they, you know tell me what's behind so I'm talking now about, you know, this is things that happen behind lives of genius people. They actually had a way or a hobby that were using and energizing and, and utilizing the other side of the brain. Mm. So in, sorry. Yeah, go on. You go. So in, in, in integral education, I am looking to, or we, and we are looking to support people to use both sides of the brain discover it be aware it be aware of you know how it works and have the um, normal traditional uh, knowledge that's being passed for example uh, we have um, a side which is called the integral architecture when you become an architect you are being taught concepts like um, light dimensions certain you know parts of geometry and so on but an integral architecture and integral education, we are looking to also explain concepts that were up to, you know, these days, kept only for um, initiates, if you want. They were the esoteric truths behind it. Um, for example, um, in, in, there is this uh, concept of sacred geometry. The sacred geometry and the golden number has it's been used by Michelangelo. It's been used by all great artists. They know about it. It's not being taught in the mainstream university. It's not being taught mm -hmm. because basically the teachers don't have this knowledge. Yeah. Exactly, an experience. Yeah, yeah. Now, from um, so what I'm trying to understand. So I understand the 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 concept. I understand the the um, makeup of this. How does this play out? So if, say, um, someone comes to you and they want to enroll um, and they want to take on a course, is it similar to like university now where you pick a subject and you study that? Or is it a one um, solution that they go into and they get taught lots of different things based on that? How does it work sort of physically? Yeah, so up to now, we, we actually partner with other institutions and we run a nine-month pilot, um, mm -hmm. interestingly, with a, with a school in India that was okay. run with uh, 300 students. And we have actually selected to partner with them, one, because their students already have been trained as yoga uh, students. It was a school that was run by... Um, uh, Swami and those uh, students were have been taught for about 10 years uh, techniques of Kriya Yoga which help them with enhancing awareness help them with focusing help help them understand meditation practice it and, and have some results so we, we run a year of about four different subjects for them 
and in the way the subjects were taught and assessed, um, then th this, um, this new experience was given to the students. But to answer, um, at the moment I'm opening the doors uh, to all educators who want to uh, understand about the integral education and have a year as a mentorship because the way I see it at the moment is partnering with more and more institutions and partnering with other teachers and other educators and universities introducing these concepts and then working on this partnership to, to, to spread this information across. Mm. So when you were initially setting this up, uh, you, you mentioned that you contacted um, educators who are currently in, uh, you know, in education um, and partnering with them to try and build a structure and build a course, etc. How did you sell the concept to them? I know it's not really selling, but how did you open it, open the, if you say, doors for them to come in and they were interested in being a part of this? Uh, that's a very interesting question, Barry. So, um, I have myself, I've been very, um, you know, from the quote on geniality, I, I, I've searched for ways in, in scientific ways in which geniality can be awakened. And I discovered, um, I think when I was about 12 or 14, I've discovered in my father's uh, library a yoga book. And in there, there were some exercises of how, you know, to control your breathing. And um, then it says you can control your heart if you do so many things for so long and so on. And it was also about how you can um, tap into the 90% of the brain that's not being used. You know, mm. most of us, yeah. some, some people say 10%, some 15, depending on the level of optimism. <laughs> but, you know, there's a huge potential of our brain, which is, lies unconsciously. And how can that be used? And I've started to practice yoga. And then later on, I came across a yoga school. Uh, that's actually an international school and it has about 40, 50,000 people. So initially I have discussed about this concept with uh, university professors and professionals who were also part of the yoga school. So they have themselves practiced certain concepts and reached a certain level of self-knowledge um, and self-development. Um, they also have a professional life, I like I have a professional life and we we basically just um yeah i i, I propose the vision and they're like okay it makes sense <laughs> perfect so it must have been your energy it must have been something about you that comes across because it's not obviously the concept is different but i think it's your your it's you as a person it's the energy you give off and it's the belief like you said the belief you put behind your idea putting that out into the world and attracting, because I, I do believe it's attracting, attracting the right people, drawing them into, you know, helping you on your path and your journey to create this vision and make it a reality. Um, I've always believed in intention. So when you have a good intention and you live your life by pure intentions and everything is about trying to help and trying to be of service to you know to the universe or to people around you i can't see anyone ever failing because the, you know the the heart that you come with with that message it draws people even if it's not you know we can talk about 
words, we can talk about expressions, we can talk about communication, but if they're all backed up with a foundation of love or a foundation of pure wanting to help and bringing something out in the world, then I can't see it ever failing. And it's, it's you know, like you said, it's putting the energy behind it that um, you know you, you're, that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to help people and you're trying to support and you're trying to move the system forward, right? Because the education system, like my, I have two children, so I have a daughter that's 14 and a son that's nine, and Wonderful. they're both in the traditional education system. Now, my son's more in a, he's in a um, Hindu school, so it's more of a Krishna consciousness um, and he learns, so he's nine and he's already doing sort of yoga, meditation, learning Sanskrit at school. So I, that's why we chose it. Now. And also it's just down the road so we can walk into school. So yeah. <laughs> that, was another, that was another big thing with my daughter being more of the mainstream education. And like you said, it's tapping into the different parts of the brain, you know, the creative side. My daughter is very creative, but she likes maths as well. She's very logical in that way and maths, right? Whereas my son, he's very... Um, creative in terms of logic but he's like an engineer he likes building things with his hands and we're trying to then create a path for them and open up opportunities where they we put things in front of them that we think okay you're going to maybe like that maybe not like that and then whichever way and then wherever you decide to lead your path you do it because you're happy to do that and there'll be no judgment from us we're just there to support and help as parents right now Another thing that I wanted to talk to you about and pick your brain, because I know a lot of people listen to this, maybe looking to move on to this path, is writing a book. Now, I know we had a brief conversation yesterday about this, and I told you that on Sunday, after many, many years of deliberation, I started writing my first book. Um, and I'm, yeah, and I'm so happy because it's given me a little bit of structure in the morning. It's given me a little bit of a time where I spend some time with myself and my thoughts and putting them down on paper. And I've promised myself every morning I will, once I've made our lunch, I will write down, sit down and write. Now, can you give me a little bit of um, coaching or a little bit of support to say, how did you go from, you know, from your ideas, put the disciplines to put it down on paper and then coming out in the world with it? So what kind of things can you help me with? So I uh, thank you for this question. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, uh, I actually have a love for words and I, I view writers, writers and educators as, having a huge responsibility in influencing the minds and the hearts and and the lives of their readers i have been influenced by phenomenal books and because you mentioned on the on the you know on the intention the value and intention one, one of the um books that i have given to the team of the academy in the first year when we've celebrated one year was the intention experiment which is a a phenomenal book by lynn mctaggart and it's mm -hmm. it's hugely hugely um, eye-opening to say so I I have a love for words and I have been writing since I started writing uh, and I, I was just recording my thoughts and different observations and um, I also started to write poetry and I was very very shy um, and even though I had um, some friends who were encouraging me to publish I didn't feel like I could publish um, and I ended up publishing due to a wonderful uh, chance, but not by chance, meeting with 
someone who after that became my literary agent and you know just took a manuscript that I emailed across and published that book mm. and it's been very successful um, I was very do you, happy do you have that with you there is it is it anywhere near you um, I have it yes I so do have show, I have it here it actually <laughs> <laughs> um, this, is, this is the book. It's a book of poetry and philosophical thoughts, and it's called okay. Soul Petals, and it's bilingual. What did they say? Yeah, I was going to say, what language? Is that French? That was a puppet. Uh, Romanian. Oh, Romanian, Romanian. right. Yes. I, I, I could tell by the accent you weren't, you know, UK yes. born. So, yeah. yeah, Romanian. So, Romanian, right. Italian, and Spanish are Latin okay. language. They, they sorry. So, it's called Soul Petals, and mm -hmm. basically, it was um, a manuscript of of writings, of poems, and philosophical thoughts that I've sent to the publisher. It was actually I've sent to this person that I've met, and she forwarded it to the publisher, and the publisher said, okay, let's publish it, and within three, three months was published. Wow. And, and when was that? When, when was that? In 2013. Wow, okay, so about seven years ago, yeah, yeah. yeah. And do you think now, it's interesting with, with, like you said, so you had, it seems like quite a traditional writing method in terms of you wrote your book, a literary agent, they probably looked over your manuscript, gave you some idea to change it maybe a little bit and then bring it out and, and, and produce it and print it and things like that. Um, have you seen that change recently in terms of yes. self-publishing and things? Yes, and I'll definitely encourage you and everyone else, if you want to self-publish, find um, either find a, a publisher that um, is, they're called hybrid publishers who, mm -hmm. you know, they can review the book or help you, or find, even on Facebook, find groups of writers. I, I'm part of a, of a group of about 30,000 writers and, uh, you know, join a group and actually keep with their energy. It's almost like if you want to even career-wise if you want to pivot from one industry to the other you'll start to meet with the people from that industry you'll start to forge relationships with people mm. who have done that mm. and through osmosis and through talk it just comes a bit very um the, it's a process right so it's a process yeah. of, of writing it and having a clear thought and then refining the writing and and also choosing what is the final message because as i said personally i think there's a responsibility we have as writers to actually um put uh, forward a beautiful information uplifting information uh, honest information if you write um, something that is not um, you know like life writing or coaching advice um, it's important to put things that are authentic and and uh -huh. also it's extremely important to put um, the truth in terms of we all have humbling experience we all are in our lives at some point you learn through your experiences Life. and they can be very high uh, you know experience or they can be you know you're done on your knees you just mm -hmm. completely yeah. having yeah. a hard time and i see the trend is very much towards people being more and more authentic which is extraordinary it's very good it's very good mm. a book i read recently i actually listened to it on a, on a, a audio is chilpreneur um, and, and it's, it's exactly about that. You know, the entrepreneur is the, the old version of 
of being very stressed, being, you know, putting in all the hours, you know, driven by adrenaline. So it's shifting, it's shifting hugely. People mm-hmm. want to have a balance. They want their well-being. I think I think it's so important, uh, especially for me. Like I've been, I've set up my business twenty years ago, so my own uh, business, and that was in the days. And this, when I give, I mentor young people, and I say, when I set up my business, there was no Google, there was no Facebook, there wasn't Instagram. They, like, they and they almost look at me like blank eyed, like what? There was a world before Google, and there was a world before Facebook. And I say, well, I had a shop, yellow pages, and a fax machine, and that's how I started my business and moved all the way through the, you know, the, the information age. And now, almost without the internet, I can't do anything, you know? And that's an interesting transition, and that shows the, the energy of an entrepreneur in terms of continually adapting, continually adapting to your outside environment, and making your business work irrespective of what's, you know, what's happening there. And I've always said, to be a success in anything, you have to have the ability to adapt or pivot on the times when you need to. If you get Absolutely. too stuck in your ways and you, you, know, you try and hold on to something that you know maybe is not the, you know, a, a thing that resonates with you anymore, or you, your life has changed, you've changed as a person and you've evolved and that no longer serves you anymore. And you, that person that you were 20 years ago is not the person you are now. So therefore, does that mean that you are still holding on to something that's not there? It's like when you meet people and we had a school reunion a few years ago and you can't look at that person as the same person as you knew at school, right? Because so much has happened in life and you've changed. If someone met me and they thought I was the same person I was at school, I would say I've probably changed five times since then to become the person I am today. The quiet, shy boy to someone that sort of ambivert can pick it up and drop it down, etc. And they're the things that life has shaped, knocked me into different shapes and created this sort of rough edge person that you see in front of you today. <laughs> but, you know, and that and, and, and it's so important to 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 accept that about yourself, right? And it's so important to to say, I will continue to evolve. You know, the next 20 years I don't know what's gonna bring, but I will continually evolve. Now I know you've done that with your professional career as well. So if you can talk a little bit about that. So you know when you've worked corporates and then you've set up stuff and then you've come back, what gave you First of all, the belief that you could do, because some people, I think, get caught in a security trap where they believe, oh, I can't leave this job and try something by myself because it may not work or, or I, you know, uh, I may lose money or I may lose time, etc. But what gave you the belief, first of all, the belief and secondly, the energy to say, actually, now that doesn't serve me anymore and I'm now going to move on because I knew you were working with um, high net worth individuals, you've worked for PwC, you've set up this schooling. So it's a really nice transition of things. But at some point you say, okay, maybe this is now no longer me and I need to move on. So if you can go a little bit into that, because I know a lot of people listen, we may have those kind of thoughts. Thank you. Thank you for the question, Pavel. <laughs> so... Uh, it's important to listen to your heart very much and mm-hmm. follow your happiness. Um, it, you might have joined a career or you have joined um, a certain 
profession because you are passionate about it or you're trying to be, I don't know, maybe at the beginning of life and your parents told you, go in IT because this will make you money, become a consultant. And you do that. Like yourself, I was also mentoring teams that work for me and, and I'll sometimes work with um, graduates who came into um, big corporates and you can see they're putting the 25th and 27th hour of the day to make themselves successful and some of them they will burn out pretty quick or they found themselves and I had uh, a few conversations with, with youngsters like this around me and I'll just say why are you doing it you need to find if you do something that is coming from your heart and you are passionate about it it's not like you won't get tired, but you won't feel it like work. It, mm-hmm. it will be so enjoyable. It will drive you. I would say if that drives, if you find yourself, and this is how I actually um, sailed through, through different roles that I took. If I found that either the company has changed values or my values have transformed and I value more uh, my quiet time, then I value being in front of the client. When I really enjoyed being in front of the client, I would spend all hours there. If there are through meditation or through other reasons or through writing the poetry, I discovered that a more silent, quiet part of me started to take over my life. And I actually enjoy that very much. I wouldn't compromise on my happiness. <laughs> I would just look to find the win-win solution. And I have bags of stories where the roles I went for, they, uh, they were adapted to the skill that I could offer or to the time that I want to work, just change the working hours, maybe not five days, maybe three days, more, maybe not uh, 40 hours, maybe 35 hours. Try and always spend time with yourself and work out, does this serve me? Does this keep me happy? Is this what I want to be doing? Is this what I want to be known for? Um, And if the answer starts to be kind of like no, then it's a good time to be very honest and just look for alternatives. Look for... I like the way you use happiness as your metric in life. And I think it's such a sobering thought when someone mentions that to me because for a long time I wasn't in that space for a long time I was chasing a big you know capitalist dream of you know cars and houses and things like this um until I reached rock bottom and I was you know um broken broken as I say and only since then which was eight years ago have all the changes happened in my life because I realized that that pursuit of happiness or the society's version of happiness didn't serve me anymore and therefore I started investing in my health started investing in my mind started investing in my environment the people around me and that's created the version that you see here today and this will be my trajectory for the next 60 years the next 80 years or however long I live because I know how much it's serving my life right now and the metric of happiness is so big Um, and I find happiness you can tap into or where you can understand what makes you happy when you go quiet like you said in terms of times of meditation in times of trusting yourself in times of taking time to be with yourself you know I had a, a quote which said people find it very uncomfortable to be in a room by themselves with their thoughts for any period of time because it scares them 
you know, that's a sign. That's a sign they are doing something wrong. Yes. Because if everything is aligned, if you are happy, if you are content, if you are in the right relationship for you, in the right job for you, if you are the main character in your life and you leave it correctly for you, silence should not scare you. Mm. It's silence should actually draw you in, shouldn't it? Where you want to be in a space where you can think. You can recharge. Be, yeah, where you feel yourself. And someone, um, again, uh, another talk I listened to, and he said when he first became aware that maybe life was becoming claustrophobic and, and, and he'd, he'd, he'd made decisions which weren't serving him anymore, the first thing he did trying to break down this ego was to sit on a chair fully naked in front of a mirror and really be with himself for about an hour and just, you know, look at himself, be in that thought space to try and break down that ego. And I thought that was, that was a really interesting method because that's you, isn't it? That's you as nature intended with nothing on, just staring at yourself and being with yourself. And I think so many people would find that quite scary if you're not very comfortable with you and your being. And a lot of people, you know, use a lot of distractions these days, don't they? Like the phone, like TV, like the internet, like being around people maybe that don't serve them, alcohol, drugs, food. They've all become distractions, haven't they? And distractions from actually looking at your life and saying, this doesn't serve me anymore. And it's actually easier to, to, you know, numb that out through alcohol, through food, through drugs, through bad company, than to actually face your life and make a decision and say, actually, I need to change this. I think that's why people who are um, coaches and mentors, and it's extremely important to, to be visible because sometimes people are searching for this kind of solutions and they don't know where to find them. And it's really important that they can reach to people like yourself, like myself, like many, many others who are now uh, appearing on the market um, and have a conversation or really look for like-minded people who are looking for the things that you look for. Because mm. what happens when you are in a, uh, in a company or in a corporate and even though you think, oh, I'm going to do something else, if you are in that energy, it's very difficult to actually shift. It's very difficult to pivot because your mind is saturated with all kinds of fears. What will so-and-so colleague say? Well, it doesn't matter. He's not going to be on your deathbed asking you anything. You are the only one who's going to be there. And you came by yourself. You'll go back where you came from by yourself. So just have the courage to be yourself and, and that version. And you gave very interesting this example with sit, you know, really sit in, and look at yourself. I, I live in a natural reservation, which is wonderful. And I enjoyed looking at animals. And sometimes I was taking phone calls, uh, even before the COVID-19, I, I would have maybe some days that I would work from home. And you think that the entire company is on fire. People were, you know, just like this, 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 rush, 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 important, important, important. And all I had to do was actually take my mobile and walk into the lounge and look at the field of cows who are asleep. And the whole thing, I would be on my phone, in, not in my office, not looking at the screen, not looking at the spreadsheet, and just look out at the nature. And you know what? 
the, none of the animals have forgotten how to be animals. Mm. The humans have forgotten how to be humans. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. It's like when they say um, an oak tree will only ever produce oaks, not bananas, because exactly. it knows it's the oak tree and that's what it's there to serve, right? And like you said, do, where do you think this confusion has come from, you know, in terms of people's path or... or an almost analysis paralysis, overthinking everything and then actually doing nothing because you've thought too much. And I think sometimes I can suffer with that where you have so many ideas and so many thoughts and you're trying to pick one or you're trying to say, okay, let me focus on something. And because you want to sort of move the bar on everything, you can't pick one because these all seem so important. And that's why Duma and I mentioned to you that I started this book. Now, the book was part of one of six things that I would have liked to start. And I said, I just want to do one thing. Let me pick one thing. And it's taken me months, like I told you, it took me months to get to that stage and said, actually, I'm going to put the other five in a box and I'm going to pick this one thing. And for the next year, two years, whatever, I'm going to focus and concentrate on this. And for that, that was a huge leap for me because I'm, so, I'm such a person where I find it hard to let go of things and I'm learning, learning for with patience, with discipline, with focus, we can achieve more than trying to sort of chop, you know, juggle eight balls and continuously dropping them and picking them up. So your, your, your nature seems to be very calm. You seem to be a very positive person. You seem to be someone that sees the glass half full. You seem to be someone that always sees the, the you know, the opportunity in, in most situations where has that come from for you um i would say also experience um because i um i get enthusiastic very very easily and i have <laughs> and because of that um i have ideas and then i think oh i can help uh, 20 people or 30 or my just uh, go for the hundred don't stop just go for the hundred <laughs> and i um I have a tendency to pile things up you know one of the, even the fact that i've set up so i set up the academy 10 years ago i was still holding a full-time job in in corporates which sometimes is 50 hours sometimes it's 60 hours yeah. went through the ranks from consultant to senior consultant to senior manager director um it all kind of like piled up i was still writing the poetry on saturdays i was teaching yoga classes it was just never ending and um i think all any entrepreneur or anyone who has a, a, a huge drive or high achiever if they're honest, they will, they'll confess that they've burned out or they, they had real crashing times mm. and they have actually completely changed the perspectives of life. Mm. And my first such, such moment was when I was, I think about 31. Um, I finished my second degree. So I've done engineering, then I've done a, 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 a business degree with Open University whilst having full-time work, bringing up a stepdaughter who's a teenager and, uh, you know, doing this degree that lasted about seven years because I did an MBA. And I thought, that's it. You have the MBA. Now you have the MBA. You've, you've got everything. And as it happened, in the last year of my MBA, I partnered with someone from the company. I was working in an IT company, one of the directors there, and we've set up uh, a joint venture for real estate investments. So we started, you know, traveling a lot and, and doing that. 
And so the, you know, the first tick was go up the career ladder, done that, uh, do the MBA, yeah, done that. Um, and then this partner said, uh, you know, how quick do you want to make three million? You know, let's just say three in the first year, in, the, in five years. And the markets were very good. And within the 12th month, I sat down with pen and paper and I hit, hit the first million. And I hit a, a monstrous depression as well because I've done the MBA, I've done the career, I've hit the million, and there was no, you know, no shining light. There was no, there was no ta-da moment there for me. Yeah, and yeah, I was just, yeah. I was completely emptied. Mm-hmm. And that was, that was one of the, the pivotal moments in my life when I thought, you can't be doing this, you need to go for the meaningful. I mean, I thought I was going for the meaningful when I went for the MBA and for the making of the million. <laughs> but it wasn't. It wasn't that. And I'm not singular in this experience. I remember reading uh, an article in Business Harvard Review, I don't know, maybe about 15 years ago. And the article went on and on for pages, like a dozen pages, which was about this uh, high... Uh, executives, hard applying executives who after uh, two heart attacks or three divorces will find themselves void of any sense. Mm-hmm. And the writer was also, he finished Eton or, you know, he, he was very um, well regarded himself. And he was basically the conclusion of this article was the only way to have continuity in your life is to also have a higher purpose back to the mm-hmm. pyramid of needs of Maslow, yes. and and back to the essence of our heart and just you have to have a spiritual pilot in your life that yeah. drives you upwards because yes. everything else will decay mm. whether you like it or not it does and- take you with you <laughs> <laughs> and i think it's also you know everything you say i resonate with deeply and I think also it's letting go of the control of your external circumstances, right? So it's having faith in your ability, having faith in your energy, and then saying whatever the universe has for me or whatever my high calling is, please take me to that and I will, you know, tread on that path. Sometimes I think so many people get caught up in trying to control the environment, you know, trying to control the people outside of them, trying to control their future, trying to control all these things. And when you went, what was the realization for me was the only thing you can control is yourself, your thoughts and your reactions to things that are happening to you. That's it. You can't control any other people. You can't control what happens to you from the outside. You can only control how you deal with it, how you process it in your own mind. Right. Correct. Now, because of this, it allowed me to let go of so much, let go of things that were not serving me anymore and let go of that big dream, which I thought it was. But then I realized I was chasing something that really wasn't real. Um, And then once I started looking inwards and investing in myself, you know, started to go running, started to understand nutrition, started to understand how movement helps me, um, tried to understand, understand the people around me, you know, the conversations I was having with them, once once i changed the whole world changed because my whole perspective on life changed and what was important to me then was no longer important to me what was important to me now was 
being feeling nourished mentally and physically but feeling a part of like you said feeling a part of the my environment feeling part of my community and then trying to think how can i give back how can i be of service you know when people talk about jobs there's such a negative connotation to work right um, yeah. oh i'm going to a job or I'm, i can't wait till friday till the weekend in this and like you said earlier in in our talk when you work and you're 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 fulfilled and you're giving service to the highest ability that you have it's not seen as work it's seen as giving service right you're seen as you're you're contributing to other people other communities other, other things with the things that you know with the with the knowledge you have with the skills you have and when it's like that you can you don't see it as work it blurs into just giving service and when it's seen as service in 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 um so i'm uh, i'm from the hindu faith and we have this uh, concept called seva and seva is when you you're serving other people um and you're serving with your time your energy your skills whatever it is and without any expectation of return you're just Correct. giving because it's in your heart to give and i yeah. think if more people saw the 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 concept of work like that so if you're rather than seeing it, i'm going to call center i'm just giving service see it as giving service to the person who's ringing because they need my help and they need my support and if it's seen like that it comes outside of yourself it's not selfful it's not selfish anymore and then if you feel that that's not serving you anymore what will serve you right what how can you become alive again how can you become vibrant again and th- if that means making hard decisions make hard decisions but have faith that universe will support you because you are treading the path of happiness as opposed to treading the path of i need to earn money i get it some people are in especially now in a very stressful situation where things are uncertain but if you can go quiet and know that things will always be okay doesn't matter what it is things will open up for you i i i've always believed that you know i've always been blessed that all my life and i know all my life to the end of days i'll always be okay because i've just got too many good people around me that are ready if i fall to pick me up and help me out dust me down and and, and move me on away and if i can't use that energy to be of help and be of service to the people that don't have that then what's the point of my life what's the point of me being here that's what i believe yeah this is this is exactly the finding the purpose and and going beyond going beyond and you're right people end up taking the or making the wrong decision because of fear and not yes. sufficient faith because mm. if you or again back to nature all you have to do is just if you go to a park and and just look at ducks they how did they find food and there, there is even like a saying they there is no you know no blind duck will go without a nest uh, and mm-hmm. in reality there is a higher force that will look after i mean how does a deer find this food if animals can be relaxed with you have friends around and that doesn't mean you you will you sleep the entire day but if you are more relaxed you are much more likely to go for the solution that's more appropriate for you and mm. you will work in a way that doesn't tie you down and i i was surprised with the things that you brought up avec on on this concept of seva and i'm going to answer in the same fashion like you've opened up 
um, through the yoga practice, um, I have I also use the concept of karma yoga, which is yeah. basically uh, it comes from um, Hinduism as well. So it, uh -huh. it's a concept um, that is um, implies that the activity that you do, you can use your life and you can use all the activities that you do um, in an um, integrated way, um, in a godly way, by basically offering them to the higher good. Hmm. And in that way, you are actually becoming a channel for transformation for yourself and for the others. And you are, you, you are more self, selfless. You, you don't go in completely contracted <laughs> and, and, you know, what's mine and what, what you need to have will come to you. Relax. Hmm. It's funny you said about nature as well. You know, when you said animals, you know, you don't have to sleep all day. You've not met my cat. So my cat just sleeps. <laughs> She sleeps and she gets up to eat and almost we know what time is with our watch because she'll turn apart in the morning when I get up and I feed her and at six o'clock she literally comes by your leg saying I want to eat. The rest of the day she almost goes outside the place for a bit and then she sleeps and I thought this is a great life like my cat has a great life so I think I can learn so much from her being there and just looking at her and saying she's fine and she'll always be fine she's in the right you know right environment she chose us we you know we took her in a few years ago and 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 from not having a pet to actually and not knowing how my life was complete without her so i'm so blessed that she turned up for me <laughs> and she's not overthinking anything right <laughs> not at all not at all <laughs> now um Irina, at this juncture i'd really like to say thank you thank you for you know the energy you've been giving into this it's been honest it's been open and um i always appreciate guests that come on and just just you know open themselves up and almost become vulnerable to the information that they give because you know you can be drawn into trying to you know create some kind of image for yourself or trying to be a veneer or trying to be this or trying to be that and for that for me it's never worked authenticity is you know the label that anyone has an authentic life it means you have a good life and an honest life where you don't have to keep thinking over your shoulder. What am I looking like? What am I saying? Because it's, it's, it's just a truth and we are just human beings. So, uh, you know, at this juncture, I'd just like to thank you. Now, thank as you. we reach sort of towards the end of this podcast, there's a couple more questions I'd like to ask you. Just uh, a couple of things to let the listeners understand a little bit more about yourself. Okay. So now we, we're projecting 100 years in the future. So you've reached a hugely uh, massive milestone where you've reached the end of your life, okay? You've done all the things you've meant to do. You've served, you've educated, and you've given a life to so many people. And you look back and you're like, I, I'm, I wish no change to the life I've had. But now we're at the end of your life. You've got a few moments left. Um, and you don't have enough energy to speak, but you have enough energy to write down three words. Now, those three words have helped you all your life. And by sharing them, you hope it will help the people listening in their lives. What would those three words be for you? I'll probably say find the truth. As in the quote from Jesus, find the truth and the truth shall set you free. Mm. And the, the quotes of great masters, he said, find who you truly are. I'll, you know, 
understand who you truly are. Mm. So find that truth. Find your truth and be your truth, right? And live your truth because that's all we have in the end, right? That's our foundation as a human being. That, that is liberating. When you realize who you truly are, um, you realize the greatness that you truly are. Mm. Um, right. Nothing else needs to be done. Uh, and everything else becomes just an enchanting joy. Now, um, this podcast is called Bigger Than The Hustle, and right now you're bigger than the world. So I've got this mic, and it's connected to 7.58 billion people on this planet. Um, they can all hear you. They're all conscious. They all understand you. There's no language barrier, and they're all listening um, and waiting to hear what you've got to say. So if I hand this mic over to you for the next 30 seconds, what would your message be to the world? That's a huge responsibility, perfect. <laughs> there you go. I'd say um, find who you truly are and live up to live up to that truth, and know that this path is real. Um, attaining. That freedom is not in the books. Others have done it before you. There is the path of humanity and there is the path of the consciousness in you to achieve your oneness and your state of greatness that exists in you. Um, and do I that. Love that. Oneness. I love the oneness. I love the understanding that we are all a part of this one symbiotic system called the universe. We're all cells and we're here to be strong and we're here to live in communion with the rest of the universe so that we know we are here for a purpose and we're here for a reason. If we don't know, even if we don't know, just have trust and faith that you're meant to be here, right? Yes. Um, and we were meant to be talking today, Irina. Absolutely. And I am so grateful for you coming on. Um, this conversation, you know, I, it always it always sparks me up. You know, when we have conversations that are positive, when we have conversations that are nurturing and they're soul nourishing. That's the way I see it. Um, you've done so many things already um, in your life, and I know there's so much more to go. That's just your nature. There's so much more to go, right? Um, so at this juncture, I just like to say thank you. Thank you for your time today i know it's very last minute we contacted and we communicated and it was meant to happen that way so thank you so much is there anything you'd like to say before we go um i just want to say thank you i'm, I'm grateful for this opportunity uh it was very unexpected <laughs> uh, i said yes to it and um i i enjoyed it and what I'd like to say for the listeners is trust the miraculous. And when, um, when you open up to life, life opens up back. So just have the courage to say yes. Mm. And, your, and the life and the universe is a mirror to what you put up, right? It yes. shows you back what you reflect out in the first place. You want to see more goodness be more good yourself. You want to see happiness, be happy yourself. You want to see um, 
giving be giving yourself and it will reflect grateful. Back exactly well yeah of course you 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 give more gratitude and you'll see more gratitude in return and that's i've always said you know the universe is a mirror and a reflection to the life you're living so um Correct. if you want to see any change in the world like michael jackson said right be the change yourself first and the whole world will change in front of you so Thank you so much again, Irina. Um, hope you have a fantastic day for the rest of the day. Um, and I know we'll do this again. I will be in touch and we will talk outside of this more as well because I do like your engine. I like the conversations we have and I'm sure we can share a lot of knowledge and a lot of skills and we can try and help each other in the future as well. So thank you. Excellent. Thank you. No, now, this was um, uh, Bigger Than Hustle podcast. Now, before I leave, I'd just like to leave you with a message. Big energy leads to big thoughts. Big thoughts lead to big ideas. Big ideas lead to big actions. And big actions lead to a big life. So keep thinking big. Until next week, goodbye.